All right, brilliant. I was pretty sure this was white when I got it. Agar Roland actually gave me this shirt. Hey, um, okay, welcome to 2023. Uh, I'm just going to open in prayer and let's get started. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much that we get to come to church uh, today on the first day of the year. Help us to uh, align correctly for the year as we take our very first few steps, our first few hours into this year. We pray for this year, Lord. Help us uh, reflect you better. Lord, we pray for the year ahead. My goodness, we have had years where we've started and thought that things would go well, but um, all kinds of things have happened. So Lord, we commit 2023 into your hands. Uh, watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Wow. It is 2023. 2023. I can't believe it's a, a brand new year. There is excitement in the air. I know some of you have got like very little sleep. The ones who had even less sleep, they're not here. So you're like, you're like, it. it's a new year. There's all kinds of possibilities. And you've got 365 days to do all kinds of things this year. So what are you looking forward to doing in 2023? You know, I remember 2019 New Year's Eve. I don't know if you remember 2019 New Year's Eve. We were like, whoa, this is so exciting. We had a party at our house, actually. I still remember that party, right? Uh, it would be a few years. <laughs> in fact, we never had a New Year's party after that. After that party. Yeah, yeah. So we had like all these people over at our house, right? It was so much optimism. We were hearing maybe of a virus. I was like, ah, standard viruses around, right? Um, our family had just settled into our house, and this was the first year that we were able to sort of um, use the place well. FGA had just finished its first year here at Lexton, so 2019 was our first full year. We had the, you know, we had the night mark. We were like, whoa, this is gonna be great. God has placed us here. And we had so many plans. And then countdown. And then who would have thought that at that point that we would see the kind of three years that we have seen? I, I don't think I need to have a very long explanation to tell you that these last three years have been filled with some very unexpected Moments, moments that almost no historian, no economist, no forecaster could have said, hey, yeah, 2020 is going to be like this, and 2021 is going to be like this, and 2022, when we think everything is coming out and we'll be all fine, 2022 will be all of this chaos of uh, recovery. I, I don't think anybody could have actually um, called it in, in detail. Um, so our world has changed and our life has changed. Um, here are a couple of things. I'm just as an illustrative example. I'm not sure you need that many. But, you know, it's not a scientific thing. But as a pastor over the last three years, I've, I've actually um, been observing the, you know, you get sort of a unique view as a pastor because you go in and you meet families, you talk about significant things that happen in life, and you uh, meet quite a lot of people here at FGA. And so here are some of the things that I've noticed, you know, that 
I've seen in my own life and in our church. We've seen, I think, the rise in media consumption, right? I, I, I know gaming time, TikTok time, YouTube, Netflix times, all on the rise, right? It's the rise also of the introvert. You wouldn't believe how many people come up to me over the last two years and, and said, even extroverted people, like I'm extroverted, and my introversion has increased, you know, because everybody now needs like a little bit more leave me alone time to do my own thing. It, and if you were an introvert before, wow, it was like maybe your, your best years, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I was chatting um, and uh, actually one of our members had a really um, insightful explanation of this dynamic that happens within couples. And then as he was saying it, I was like, oh man, this is so true. Um, during lockdown, couples were stuck together. And so you would think that that would mean that, wow, now that we're stuck together, our marriage is going to be fantastic and things are going to be great. But somehow, there was a potential for the opposite to happen because we were all locked down for like amongst the longest in the world, right? Uh, we had to develop habits to um, create space in our home because, you know, you're, you're stuck there. You can't go out anywhere. You can't, right? And so you're like in the home. You're like, okay, okay. Now it's like my own time. You know, time I know we're together, but we're just going to do our own thing. And it kind of solidified a little bit. And so now that everything's out in the open, we still want to keep that. And so now we've got this dynamic in our house where even in our home, we're doing more things by ourselves or watching our own screens or doing our own um, individual uh, recharge. I think you've seen the rise of greater flexibility, right? Uh, you don't need to show up to church. You can be on Zoom. You don't need to be at that meeting. You can, right? You can um, remote in. You can remote into work. In fact, work life has changed a lot. I'll use Rachel as an example, right? She started working last year, right? Her first time working. And I think from the people who started work last year onwards, my goodness, you know, if my parents or my grandparents talked about having to walk, you know, 45 minutes to work and the, the slog of having to, you know, bring all your, I don't know what they use back in those days, pieces of paper or whatever it is into work, right? Our future will be people who say, my goodness, I can't believe my dad had to go to the office because Rachel's literally the most junior person in her office, and she can decide at midnight or 1 a.m. the night before whether she's going to go into the office or not the next day without asking anybody. In fact, there have been employment staff shortages all around. I, I heard that some companies are actually trialing the four-day work week. That means they pay you the same, but you only need to work four days. And that's because everybody else is like paying more and more and more for the five days and they don't want to raise their salary. So they're like, we'll pay you the same. You just uh, work four days. Anyway, one of those days was Facebook anyway. So <laughs> apparently you'll be more efficient in working, right? But anyway, these are some of the things. It's not an exhaustive list, but some of the things as I recall, some of the things that have really my goodness, just come out of nowhere and it really accelerated. These global shocks, like, the, like a global pandemic, they tend to rock 
the existing system. Uh, over the break, I've been uh, reading a few books, and I picked up this really interesting book that analyzed pandemics, right? Um, did you know, here's an interesting fact, that all kinds of, of course, really bad things come out of pandemics, but there have been a series of really beneficial improvements to our world that have come out of pandemics. One was the creation of recreational parks in large cities, right? But another took place during the bubonic plague in the 1300s. Back then, so a third of Europe died in the, they called it Black Death. Back then, if, if I could just take you back then, right? Uh, there were lords and there were serfs. And the serfs, they worked for free for the lords. They would go to the lord's land, right? So they were a little bit like slaves, but not really slaves, right? They just weren't paid, right? And they would work on the lord's land, which they didn't own. They weren't paid for, and then they would, get a live, they would have a place to live, and they would right, be able to survive. But then what happened is, because of the bubonic plague, a third of them died, so now the lords had nobody to work their land, nobody to look after things, right? And there was competition, a little bit like now, competition for serfs. And so then people started paying people for work. Unbelievable. Did you know the invention of paying people from work, start for work, started with the bubonic plague? So if any of you earn a salary or you're paid for anything you do, thank you, Black Death. <laughs> because up till then, the predominant method of employment in Europe, which has affected much of our Western society, in fact, the whole world, was you just work for a lord and he just, like, I don't know, gave you a place to stay. Um, so when change happens, when change happens, you notice that it, there is a range of behaviors that then never go back the same way, that our behaviors end up changing. And so whenever we look at, let's say, a new year that is coming, or now we're like, oh man, uh, we've had such those three years, I wonder what the future is, we tend to think, oh, what new behaviors are we going to have now in 2023? Or, you know, you'll hear some people say, what's our new normal, right? How, how are we going to live 2023 post-pandemic in this, like, new normal? When they say new normal, what they mean is that they're going to be doing different things this year. We make plans, like I don't know how many have already, you know, started uh, New Year plans, resolutions, right? We make plans about behaviors like losing weight or developing a skill. I'm trying to relearn guitar, whatever, right? Um, they're usually centered around the behaviors that we're going to take. So you think about any of the, your behaviors, like, like Jordan, his epic behavior of flossing his teeth, right? That's a behavior, right? Most of us would have come out, if you look at your New Year's resolution, if you did it, you just look at it, it's some kind of a behavior. I'm going to eat more healthy, I'm going to work out more, I'm going to be nicer to my wife, I don't know, whatever it is, right? Um, but here's the thing that we know about behaviors. Outward behaviors are usually just 
an expression of things that are going on inside. There's actually things inside that drive every single one of our behaviors. So let's look at, let's say, uh, children. When we're parenting, as we parent, we tend to focus on behaviors, right? We're like, hey, no hitting, right? Change your attitude right now, right? Uh, don't throw a tantrum, right? Um, and we have a checklist of behaviors that we want to address with our kids. And sometimes we forget that there are things that happen behind the scenes that drive our children to do these behaviors. Like, I don't know, they didn't get enough sleep or maybe their brother hit them or we're not looking. And then they're like, you know, right? Um, or, or we have these lists of checklists of behaviors that we have for our spouse. Oh, I wish my husband would be a little bit more like this or my wife could be, you know, or my, my boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. We all have, we, we look at behaviors and we go, oh man, I wish I could change my behavior. But more importantly, I wish other people could change their behavior, right? Because we're all looking at this. Um, I'm trying to eat healthier. I'm even, uh, I'm even trying to catch myself after our session with Quinton and Roger uh, in, in the U.S., right? I'm, I'm trying to catch myself where I default to certain behaviors that I come across as condescending or, or knowing everything or, or don't give people time to, or space to respond. And so I'm very actively trying to go, okay, there are some default behaviors in my life, and I just can't keep doing them again and again and again. But if I just look at that behavior level, it's really going to be hard for me to change that behavior. That's why so many of these New Year resolutions don't pan out. We actually have to look at what's driving that behavior, what sits a little bit underneath from that. Uh, use a bit of a technical term, but adaptive response causes behavior. What does that mean? That means as something happens to us or around us or maybe inside of us, right? Something inside, it could be just completely internal, right? We're responding to a feeling that we have. We're responding to a tiredness or we're responding to the fact that our boss just scolded us or we're responding to a pandemic or it could be internal, it could be external, but, but, but we take behaviors as humans because we're trying to adapt to something that is going on. It's a fancy way to say there's a reason behind why you're doing the things you're doing, right? We know that our behaviors are a little bit of the tip of the iceberg. They're a tip of an iceberg. And you don't deal with an iceberg just at its tip. It's probably why the Titanic fell. Right? Let's avoid that tip. And then you hit the base. Because the underlying thing behind your behavior is what you have to deal with. So you have to ask yourself, why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? Um... Maybe your child didn't get enough sleep or they got into a fight online, right? Something's causing you. Our experiences of the last three years will actually have caused us to shift some of our behaviors. Now, these behaviors, these underlying things, 
They could be external uh, impacts of things. They could be our feelings. They could also be mindsets or issues from our past. It's all whole kinds of, we just don't know what it is that sits underneath. It could be your personality, your history, right? So you have to kind of delve down a little bit. If you're serious about a new year, a new you, right? If you're serious about going into this new 365 days that we've got ahead of yourself, right? Don't just write down things of behaviors. Take the time to figure out what goes on behind the scenes. In fact, that's what we're going to do today, and that's what we're going to do the whole of this year. We are going to look at things deep down that sit right before the behavior. In fact, our 2023 theme, so our focus for the whole of 2023 in a season post the pandemic with the largest global change that we have had in, in my lifetime anyway, we're going to try and look at how do we firm out our foundation because our actual living life is going to have to be flexible. We're going to have to put on new things, change our ways. We're going to have to adapt, and, but we can't move and add on things in our life without a good foundation. Foundation. It's not something that we often look at and sometimes, you know, we get a little bit distracted. We're more excited about the things that we can put in our lives and what we can build on in our lives versus having an exciting conversation about foundations, right? I mean, I, when, we, when, we build house, when we build our house or whatever it is, we're more excited about the things we put in our house. I can't remember how many conversations we've ever had about foundation, the, the, the cement foundation, right? So, to make things a little bit more interesting today, I've got an engineer that is going to come up and tell us about foundations. Okay, Michael, where are you? Good morning, church. Happy New Year. So, Chris is preaching about firm foundations. Uh, and he wanted someone with experience and authority <laughs> in the area of foundations to come up and tell you guys that um, foundations are good things. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Michael Ting, and I am a trained engineer. And as a certified professional engineer, um, I can confirm that it's true. <laughs> to build a building, you need a firm foundation. And then Chris goes, can you speak to, to that topic for about three, four minutes? I'm like, oh, okay. So um, I thought it'd be a bit fun if we did a bit of a case study. Um, who here knows what the tallest building in Melbourne is? Oh, did someone say Australia 108? That is correct. <laughs> so as of 2020, the tallest building in Melbourne is Australia 108. Um, it's 108 stories, uh, and it has a pretty big foundation. So I'm actually going to play a bit of a video. It's a time lapse of the construction of Australia 108, and I'm going to talk a bit about foundations as you watch this wonderful video. So what you can see here is that they're actually starting to build the foundations. It's a three-minute video, and about the first 40 seconds of it is this. They're actually constructing um, 
50 meter deep or 15 stories deep uh, of concrete piles. And that takes about 12 months to build. It looks like they aren't doing anything um, and you can't really see the foundations, uh, but they're really important. I'm sure you've noticed before um, when you've seen someone build an apartment building that they'll demolish the site and you'll see cranes and excavators there for what seems like weeks and weeks and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden you drive by and there's the building. At Australia 108, they constructed a level, as you can see now, they're constructing a level every, uh, every week. So every week a new level goes up. For comparison, it takes two to three times longer to build one level of foundation than one level of superstructure. You can see how quickly and how relatively easy it is to build once it's out of the ground. While the, building, while the weight of the building is considerable, the most challenging thing is the cumulative forces of wind that acts on the building once it's standing. I can almost guarantee that every picture you've seen of a building that's fallen over has tipped over and it hasn't sunk into the ground. Because it's these deep foundations that resist lateral or sideways forces and stop the building from falling over. So as they reach the top, you'll, you might have seen some photos of Australia 108 actually, where you see the top of the building sticking up through the clouds. Uh, it's 350 meters tall. Um, and even though it's not the tallest structure in Australia, Q1 in Queensland cheated because they used a spire. But to the rooftop, it's the tallest building, uh, tallest residential building in the Southern Hemisphere. And there it is, the tallest residential building in the Southern Hemisphere. Brought to you by Fender Catsalitas, Multiplex, Robert Bird Group, and about 12,000 cubic meters of concrete and steel firm foundation. Fantastic. There you go. Thought we'd try something a little bit entertaining because we're talking about foundations. Foundations are so important, and I would almost put it to you that the average one of us, myself included, does not pay enough attention. Because the thing that gets the attention are the things that go above the surface. But having a solid foundation allows you to be flexible, to move, to build a life, to build layers upon layers of things that God blesses you with or gives to you. So what kind of a foundation do you have and what does your foundation look like? Let's build a foundation well this year. And you might wonder why randomly at 2023 we would look at foundations. It's because post-pandemic, the world has changed. And we don't want to begin a life in this new world just at the top level just at the behavioral level. We want to relook at these foundations. So if you're going to work on your foundation, what do you work on? Let's go. Let's go to Jeremiah. We're going to go to Jeremiah and we're going to go right into the heart of the matter. In fact, Jeremiah says this 
if we're looking at the heart and the heart of the matter. Um, Jeremiah says this, that the heart is actually deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? And that the Lord searches the heart and tests the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. That's in Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10 links the heart, something that goes on inside of you, even back in those like Old Testament days, they figured out that, well, there's many parts of your whole body, but if I cut a bit of the leg, you'll be fine. If one finger goes off, you'll be fine. But you lose your heart, you're pretty much dead, right? And so they're like, okay, there's something at the very core of you, on the inside of you, and it drives. One, it's sick and it's deceitful and there's all kinds of motives and things that go on inside your heart, but it links it to our ways, to give man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So hearts lead to ways. So we need to, if we're serious about looking at what we're building our behaviors on, what we're serious about what we're building our lives on, we need to actually take a look at what is going on in our heart. We can't just leave it alone. And it turns out God doesn't want to leave it alone either. So this is the anchor passage um, for 2023. It's Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33. It goes like this. Behold, the days are coming. By the way, we're in these days now, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the ones, not like the covenant that I made with your fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. That covenant, by the way, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, which, by the way, were in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. Almost instead of stone tablets and, you know, lots of religious rules and then you got religious people writing their own rules over the religious rules and then there's a whole bunch of conduct and things that you've got to do and you can't do. No, there's going to come a day when actually... God's ways will be in our hearts. There's a new covenant. There's a new promise. There's a new foundation. In fact, this is a very significant passage in Scripture. It's mentioned again, actually. So it's in the Old Testament. It's so significant, it's mentioned again in Hebrews, right? In Hebrews 10, 16. But did you know that this passage here, this one here that says, I will make a new covenant. This passage is the reason why the New Testament is called the New Testament. This scripture. This scripture is the one that was used to actually name our Bible Old Testament, New Testament. In fact, that word new covenant only appears once, one time, 
in the Old Testament. Here's how it links. New Testament means new covenant. That's why that scripture was so foundational. So bear with me. I'm going to give you a bit of a history lesson, right? Because I find this so fascinating. So the word testament comes from Latin, right? The, the word testament is like last will and testament, right? Like So when you die and you promise something to your kids and your, your family or whatever it is, right? It's your final your final wish, your final commitment, and it's your last will and testament. It's like a promise of something. And in the Bible, the most binding of promises, the most leveled up promise is covenant. Covenant. It talks about, in fact, in the divine covenant, it talks about God's promise to us. So covenant, there's two people and there's a promise. There's actually, and, and in the Old Testament, there's only one place where new covenant is mentioned. It's here, and we've just read it. That's why it's so significant. That's why it's going to be our anchor verse for this year. But the Old Testament, so the Old Testament, which is Old Covenant, the way to read it, is actually full of Old Covenants. I don't know if you realize this, but there was a covenant with God and Adam that he broke by eating the fruit the forbidden fruit. There was a covenant between God and Noah, you know, with a, with a rainbow. There was a covenant between God and Abraham that we covered on Christmas Day. So last week, uh, everything's all tied together here at FGA. But last week, the Christmas message was about God's covenant with Abraham for a people, a land, and a blessing. And then there was the covenant with God and Moses, this old covenant called the Mosaic covenant where God would rescue his people but they had to keep God's covenant to receive God's blessing that's why you have like the 10 commandments right the problem with these old covenants and literally the story of the old testament is a cycle that just repeats again and again and again where God makes a covenant with us. And it's not God who breaks the covenant. In fact, we just saw last week that God fulfilled his covenant that he promised to Abraham. What happens is we break covenants. We break covenants. In fact, the first 28 chapters of the book of Jeremiah is actually an exhaustive record of how Judah shattered the covenant with God. But out of the very tribe of Judah itself would come a new covenant. So it's underlined here, my covenant that they broke, even though I was a husband. That's, that's God highlighting what is actually happening. But we know now that Jesus from the tribe of Judah, born on Christmas Day, right? We're now one week away from that, right? Jesus ushers in this new covenant, this new covenant that's been talked about in Jeremiah 31 that we just read. This one that is written in our hearts. Uh, and you see verses like this in Hebrews. 
um, therefore, Jesus, he is the mediator of a new covenant. There's that word in the New Testament again. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Have you ever like, you know, been a parent and you give your, your child like, okay, this is your second chance. Give you another chance because you're, you're messed up the first time. Oh, yeah, you're a husband or a wife. You're like, oh, my goodness, you know, you, you said you'd call me before you were late from work or whatever and you didn't. There's a second chance, right? It's, it's a little bit like this because so many, it's not second chance. It's like chance number 500 or whatever for us as humanity or 5,000, whatever, right? Um, and Jesus comes in to mediate this new covenant. In fact, Luke twenty two twenty says, uh, which we just did communion, every time we take communion, we remember that Jesus' new covenant was actually paid for by blood. Innocent, divine blood. So, Jesus is this new covenant. Now, I feel like I don't need to spend a lot of time talking about why we need to build our foundation as Christians or as our church, FGA. We don't need to build our found, I don't need to talk about why we need to build our foundation upon Jesus Christ. Because we need to build our foundation on Jesus Christ, right? That would be, be so many Bible verses about that. That would be at the core of Christianity. If I were to survey this room, maybe 90, 95% of us here would say, hey, what is the foundation of our faith? Who is the cornerstone of our lives? Who's our foundation of our lives? 90 to 95% would say Jesus Christ. But here's the link that you may not know about. That actually, the New Testament or the New Covenant the series of books in the second half of your Bible is actually the revelation of Jesus. The whole New Testament is about Jesus. It explains Jesus. It is the inner work of what the foundation looks like. So if it takes two to three times more time to build a foundation than it is to build up the top, it also is like that with the New Testament in that the New Testament gives us this rich, robust view of Jesus who we want to build our foundation of our lives on. But if we don't know the New Testament if we don't know the new covenant, if it is not in our hearts, if we have no idea what it contains, it's very hard to say that you have built your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It would be like meeting a guy over chai latte and then going, I know this guy. I will build a life with him. You don't know this guy. You don't know anything. And so the link I want to make for this year, which is why we are going to take the whole year, and starting in February, we're going to be doing like a Bible reading plan. The goal, actually, I know it's a bit of an ambitious goal, but the New Testament is shorter than the Old Testament. 
So you be, I know it's quite surprising, but the goal is that we finish the year and you have read the New Testament, the whole New Testament, the new covenant, the whole new covenant. Because some of us, some of you even, may have lived, you may have built a Christian life for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, whatever it is, and you have not actually read the whole New Testament. So let's do a quick summary of what's in the New Testament. The New Testament begins with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you're looking at the actual life of Jesus as told from four different perspectives. And you get to see this Jesus, who he is, what he does, what he stands for, what he's fighting for, who he represents, the interactions that he has. You get to see that from eyewitnesses from four different accounts. So very clearly, the New Testament begins with a focus on Jesus. After that, you get to the Acts of the Apostles. And you actually get to the start of the church, or as it's often called in the New Testament, the body of Christ. The body of Christ. So Jesus Christ leaves. He gives us the Holy Spirit to empower the body of Christ. And you see these people who, the apostles, they're actually people who have encountered Jesus himself. So they go off and they're like, because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, because of who Jesus is, Jesus, 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 we are going to be his hands and feet. We are going to be the body of Christ. And you see the formation of the church in those days. And then after the Acts of the Apostles, you get letters from the apostles. And so these are all letters then written by people who have um, interacted with Jesus. They've seen Jesus. Paul himself, the writer of most of the New Testament, he gets his life transformed by Jesus Christ. In fact, his understanding of the Old Covenant, his understanding of the Old Testament points him all the more to Jesus when Jesus Christ is revealed. So instead of like seeing Jesus and going, oh no, Jesus is like nothing that I've ever read or understood. He sees Jesus and he goes, my goodness, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that I've ever read and ever studied in the Old Testament. And so Paul, he writes a lot of these letters from the apostles. And then we get to the final book in the New Testament, or the New Covenant, and that's Revelation. In fact, another title, a common title that you can use for the book of Revelation is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And revelation begins, the start of revelation, it begins with the description of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm so excited about um, this year. It's a big endeavor for FGA. We're going to go down to the foundations. We're going to read through. We're going to work our way through the New Testament. The New Testament actually ends with, come, Lord Jesus, come. And I want to put it to you that Jesus Christ is the foundation, 
not just of our faith, but is the central character, the central guiding force, the cornerstone, if you will, of the New Testament. But this New Testament, this new covenant is supposed to take place in your heart. So now for the next five minutes, maybe a shorter message today, but um, I want to talk to you about how this new covenant can be in our heart. Why does the Bible choose to, in this new covenant, the new covenant can be located anywhere, right? I mean, like there's so many old covenants and you can just write another covenant. It could be a rainbow. It could be a dead donkey. I don't know, lamb, whatever. It could be, right? It could be written on stone tablets somewhere, right? But why is it emphasized that this new covenant, in fact, if you read later on, it'll be, it says in Jeremiah, it's accessible by everybody now. Wow. Why is it in our heart? Well, three things I want to bring out about the fact that the heart was chosen. You know, in our worship set, we sang about the heart. Turns out, even if you're not really educated and you're going back to the ancient days before they, you know, had MRIs and, and nanos, you know, technology and stuff like that, humans discovered the heart was very uh, crucial to life, right? Um, and heart meant these three things. One, it meant that if you say, hey, I know something by heart, or this is in my heart, it means that you have a deep knowledge, not just a superficial head knowledge. You, know, you don't know it in your head, you know it in your heart, or you've known it by heart. In fact, there is that word know or knowledge in the Bible is synonymous uh, with the kids in the service today. So the word knowledge is synonymous with intimacy. Because there is a certain kind of knowledge that is very surface level, that is just, you know, I'm just scanning through things. I don't really know things that well. And then there is a deep knowledge. And when the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the deep knowledge. How well do you know Jesus Christ? Not just that, oh, he was born on Christmas Day. Which, by the way, he wasn't born on Christmas Day, right? <laughs> right? So, um, how well do you know Jesus Christ? It's linked to how well you know the New Testament. Or is your knowledge a little bit like the conversations that I have with my wife? You know, like, my, I'll get these, like, I'll, I'll find out something, right? I'll get a text or something. Somebody will tell me, I don't know, some information. Like, oh, no, I got into a car accident or whatever it is, right? And I'll read the... I'll read the text. Oh, so-and-so got into an accident. Then I'll tell my wife, hey, darling, we better pray for this person. Someone got into an accident. And then she'll ask me questions. She's like, how did they get into an accident? I don't know. Who was in the car? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Are they okay? Uh, I don't know. Because you know what? My knowledge of the whole thing is just based on literally one text that I got from Uncle YC or whatever it is, right? It's like one. That is the total extent of my knowledge of the whole thing. But it turns out that's not deep enough. And so if the new covenant is going to be in your heart, 
It's not enough to just say, oh, Jesus Christ, you're in my heart. Oh, hey, uh, uh, I'm in the new covenant and Jesus is the cornerstone foundation of my life and I know Jesus. We're good. It's not enough. We need a heart knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that includes Jesus Christ revealed as the word. As the word. And there is no way around it. It would be like building a 108-story building and your foundation is only as deep as two text messages that you know about Jesus or your favorite three Bible verses of Jesus. And that's it. We need a deeper foundation. But the second thing about the fact that the heart was chosen uh, for the foundation, so this foundation, this new covenant is now going to be written in our heart, right? Is that really there's much more of a focus on the inside principles or the inside things that will take place versus outward compliance. So it's actually a focus on your inward life. It is, that's why Jesus would say, hey, if you look at a woman lustfully, that's like committing adultery. If you have bitterness in your heart. This is what the New Testament would be full of. It would, the Old Testament would be full of, I don't know if you've read Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, right? The Old Testament is full of laws and rules. But the New Testament, these new commandments that are given, they are what they are called the laws of Christ. They are inner, driving motivations that help us to reflect Christ himself. That means we become ourselves more and more like Christ. And so that if there's any constraint in our life, it is that we're constrained to the image of Christ. That we behave, we mimic, we imitate like him. But we value like him, we love like him. And so I'm very excited about how we're going to look at the New Testament this year because we're going to be looking at the New Testament in light of the inner things that we can transform inside of us, in our hearts. Instead of just the outside behaviors, we're going to start tackling some of those things that are in the foundation that actually, would you believe it, is driving your behavior. Is causing you to be really irritated. You know why sometimes you're like, you can be so patient with one person and they make mistakes all the time. You're like, ah, oh, whatever, it's fine. And then another person, as soon as they say, maybe it's your mother, your mother-in-law, your father, father-in-law, whatever it is, right? As soon as they say one thing, like, oh, why is your house so messy? Or I don't know, whatever the thing is they say, that's it. You've got no patience for it at all. Why is that? Because there's something underlying your behavior, right? And that's why I'm so excited about what the New Testament has to offer. Because it's a look at this new covenant that is more interested in our heart and the things that are going on inside. But possibly the most obvious and I think the most significant reason why the word hearts was used for the new covenant is actually this. When people think of heart, like just imagine somebody sends you a heart emoji, like you just get a heart. What do you think of? 
you think of affection. You think of love. So then this new covenant becomes, instead of just rules that you follow, it becomes a love relationship. And the reason why this new covenant is written in our hearts, that word heart is supposed to convey that affection becomes the ruling motive for us. That we would grow. If you really want to develop a good foundation in Christ, then you love him. Then you love him. That's what Roger was talking about today at worship. That actually, what our goal is, is to grow more and more in love with Christ. That's why he's in our heart. The Bible could have used any other language. Except Jesus Christ in your head, in your hands, in your feet, whatever it is, to a world that doesn't understand anatomy, right? But the Bible chose heart. And mankind, for as long as we can remember, have always thought that the heart was the symbol for our affection, for love. And so there needs to be this genuine love, affection for Christ. In fact, an affection for the new covenant, for the new testament. It's not just, so this year is not just going to be about going through and knowing the Bible. And sure, we're going to try and have a Bible reading plan. You know, it's going to be a pretty, it's going to fit everybody. So it's a bit of a blasé Bible reading plan means that if you are a little bit behind, we've got some time for you to catch up, right? We've got some pit stops along the way. You can boost a little bit as you go along, right? But we're going to try to do this together as a church. But it's more than just going through and knowing the Bible. We're going to be squarely focused, actually, on embedding it into our hearts. Into our hearts. So you're not going to see, actually, a lot of technical Bible study uh, Sunday services. Even though we will have Christian education classes, you can study. There will be every Sunday service. We're focused on the books of the Bible. We're going to be trying to do our Bible reading plan through our home groups and through our various ministries, right? But we are going to be more focused on what Psalms 1, 1 to 3 says. And I think I'm going to end with this. And Psalms 1 gives us a picture of what a good foundation can be like. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight. You see that love, that joy, that affection. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, Translation for that, uh, the law would be the word of God. The words of God. For us, the new covenant. The new law. On his law, he meditates day and night. And you know what he's like? He is like a 108-story building that is planted 15 stories down. Or he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does... He prospers. 
Meaning that this person has something going on beneath the surface in the foundational level of their life. And that could be you going on behind the scenes that no matter what chaos comes in 2023, whether it is winds that blow on your building or not, it has a strong foundation. You know, most people, when they tell the parable of, that Jesus talks about with the wise man and the foolish man, the wise man builds his house on the rock, has a firm foundation, right? Most people correctly talk about, well, the foolish man listens but doesn't do anything, and then the wise man does stuff. But I want today, I want to flip it around a bit. Because, of course, the wise man does the words of Christ. But it is important to realize, and I think that's why it's so relevant for us today, that this wise man who does the words of Christ also has to know the words of Christ. That you can't actually be this wise person who is doing the things that God says, and you don't know what God says. And we now live in a generation where our Christian knowledge, our knowledge of Jesus Christ, is more from third-party sources, from Instagram posts, YouTube videos, podcasts, TikToks, uh, sermons, even, even sermons from me. It's not good enough. If your life is built on the sermons of FGA, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but you will not build a very tall life. It will not be able to withstand much because you're supposed to build your life on Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is rich, diverse, deep. Jesus Christ is full and so that's why it takes the whole New Testament to get a good picture of Jesus Christ. That's why it takes the four Gospels. It takes people who've encountered Jesus talking about the things that they've done. It takes the letters. It even takes the prophetic revelation of Jesus Christ to give you a complete picture of Jesus Christ. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is what will you do to fill the insides of you this year, what your heart, the core of what is inside of you, I guess, is when people want to talk about the heart, it's the core of what is inside of you. What is it this year as you begin our first of 365 days? What will you fill it with? And I'm sure you'll fill it with many, many things, but at FGA, your church, our focus will be on building that foundation building that foundation we've seen it shake too much over COVID we've seen it I've encountered now too much of us saying we know Jesus but we don't know Jesus and so I'm excited actually next week we're kicking off our first series called 15 words 15 words that change everything and those are 15 concepts that are applied to everyday life 
that are found only in the New Testament. So instead of doing like a Bible study through the whole thing, we're going to look at 15 radical concepts like salvation, peace, righteousness, churchy type words that are in the New Testament that are supposed to be embedded into our hearts. And week by week, we're going to cover each one. And then when home group starts in February, we're going to kick off our Bible reading plan. So I want to give you a heads up. If you want a little bit of a break or a holiday through the year, you can start reading the Bible now. Yeah, you can just like, without our plan. And then when we get to it, you can like, oh, great, I can skip a week. I can skip two. Because you guys are the ones that are here on New Year's Day. So I feel like you can get the head start. Well, we're going to try to do this thing where as a church, we're going to encourage each other to know the new covenant well. Because the new covenant is centered around Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much uh, for this year and um, the covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. I pray for each person here, Lord, uh, as they think about what things they're going to work on for this year, what the 365 days have in store. I pray, Lord God, that you would um, help us to move in unity as a church. Help each one of us get behind the vision of the church to build a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. Help us to see the richness of Jesus Christ, the wisdom in Jesus Christ, the fullness of Jesus Christ as represented, given to us divinely through the new covenant, through the new testament. And I pray for us, Lord, that we would be a church that knows your word well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We will all see you all next week. Uh, we're one service, 10 a.m., and there's no food. God bless you. Happy New Year.